Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. On today's episode, we welcome travel and culture writer Catherine Parker Magyar. In her career as a travel writer, she's driven husky sleighs through Arctic forests and sailed to the heart of the Brazilian Amazon. She's practiced yoga with goats in the Swiss Alps and chased Alaskan king salmon off the shores of Prince of Wales Island. She's jumped into black holes in Belize and trekked across the most active volcanic valleys in the Caribbean. She's hot air ballooned above the Nevada desert, and most recently, she hiked to the highest lodges in the world in Peru and track tigers in the jungles of Nepal. Catherine writes for media outlets such as Architectural Digest, Trip Savvy, The Daily Beast, Tasting Table, Elite Daily, Pop Sugar, and many more. Hello, Catherine. Thank you for talking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I have to ask, of all those things I just mentioned you've done during your travel writing career so far, which was the most memorable? It's really tough because There are certain trips that really stand out to me. I feel like my three favorite trips ever were Nepal, Peru, and Kenya. But I feel like I'm going to have to go with Nepal for this one just because it was so unique and sort of once in a lifetime, which I'm being a bad travel writer by using all these vague terms. But the reason (laughs) it's so memorable is so my brother, he studied abroad when he was at Hamilton. He spent a semester in Kathmandu. And he lived in Nepal and like my sister visited him and I never got a chance to, and I'd always wanted to go to Nepal. Like, I feel that I feel there are certain places that call to you, but they just call to human beings. You know what I mean? Like the Great Wall of China, Mount Everest, um, the Masai Mara. And so I'd always had Nepal on my wish list and literally like the most serendipitous connections. A friend of mine in New York went to college Um, in Scotland with a guy in Nepal who's from Nepal who runs um, the first ethical elephant um, safari camp there called Tiger Tops. And he's like my age. It was the most spectacular experience of my life. Like we started and I went from Kathmandu, which is like chaotic and I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) It's just like very much a lot of energy. Okay. Um, really fun. There's this thing that Yeti Mountain Home does that's called Everest for breakfast. And you take a private helicopter up like past Everest Base Camp up what? the Kundu Icefall. And then you have breakfast overlooking like Mount Everest is directly in front of you. And I mean, it was that was the first day. That was my first day on the trip. First right. Day. So. I know I was like, you're thinking it's going to be downhill from there, but but (laughs) no. And then we went to the jungles of Nepal, which are, you know, right along the Indian border. And I saw a tiger in the wild and just, it's like just super, super lush. It didn't rain at all. Um, the, it's like, you're in these crazy tall grass and you can see when elephants have been in the grass because the grass just like completely bends like in crazy directions. And then tigers are super antisocial, but they need like thousands of square feet to their own personal selves in order to like flourish. So it's not like if you're on safari in, I don't, I don't know, like Kenya, I feel like in Mount Kenya, you know, they have more animals than they have space in old Pajeta, Mm -hmm. which is an amazing problem to have. But so, you know, you get in the Jeep and you see them immediately, but in Nepal, it's like more walking and stalking. And then 
seeing the tiger was just like spectacular. And then um, just the whole experience was amazing. I love mosquito netting on a bed. And then, and then I did a hike with Mount, with mountain travel Nepal. First I went to the happy house, which is um, in my friend Ang's family for generations. And it's where Edmund Hillary stayed and his family is from, came over from Tibet a long time ago. Um, but it's this really historic home. People can um, actually like rent stay that I've written about it. And then we went on a, a trek to Pikey Peak. And I'd always heard like, oh, like hiking in Nepal, like is like, sh- like back to back backpackers. But like we didn't see a single other soul on this, on this trek. And then on the final day that we summited, you know, went to the very top and like, I was looking out, I saw Mount Everest and I just had this moment that was just like, I can't believe this is my life. You know what I mean? I can't believe I'm here for work. I can't believe I'm alive. That was a trip. That trip was amazing. But like mountain travel, Nepal and Tiger Tops like are connected. And there, I wrote, you know, the stories I've written, the stories I write, I want to be like, this is attainable for you. Like this is possible. And a lot of these trips are so much less expensive than you would think because it's all the flight getting there. But Turkish Airlines goes everywhere. I love that you say um, that it's attainable because I think for a lot of Americans, they think those places sound so far off and would be, you know, yes, this travel writer had it all worked out for them and you know, they didn't, mm-hmm. but how would I do that as, you know, a, an average American? So I love that you, that you approach it from that way. I don't want to just, I want people to realize that they can do these trips because I mean, I grew up the way I grew up traveling it was almost like I was a travel writer without being a travel writer in the sense that, you know, my, my parents took us everywhere all the time. And it wasn't always super glamorous, but it was like, we're up at 8am. We're going to museums. We're like, we're having the local flavor for lunch. We're like going to learn everything about the history. We're just going to be present there. And then you just go off the grid in a way. If you have the desire, it can happen. And I feel like people waste their whole lives putting off things that they don't feel fully ready for. Like there's never enough money. There's never enough time. It's never the perfect moment. You just sort of have to like go for it. Yeah. How did you get your start in travel writing? I believe you began out of college in public relations, which is usually the opposite way of how careers progress from journalism to PR. Oh my God. I wish I started in PR. That would be way more glamorous. I was in like (laughs) media planning. I had a PR internship when I studied abroad in London junior year. So basically I always wanted to be a writer my mom and my dad, my brother, my grandfather, they're like all writers, but I did not really know how to make that happen for myself. And like, right after college, I was like given an opportunity at like universal McCann to like, be like the communications analyst, like a vague sounding thing. You know, I think I started around 30, but so I lived in New York and I worked in advertising poorly. I'm like really bad at it. I was very (laughs) bad at it. I think I would have enjoyed if I'd known travel PR was a thing, I think that I would have enjoyed that a lot or like just right. anything else in the travel industry. But I wasn't originally like, I want to become a travel writer. That was always like a goal, but I didn't get how people became travel writers. Like it actually upset me because I just didn't, I just felt like that was the equivalent of like winning the career lottery. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, yes. So it wasn't like if people would be like, oh, what's your dream job? Like occasionally I'd say travel writer, but I was really just focused on, on being a writer. I went to graduate school at the new school. I got my master's degree in like English literature. Okay. And I was there and everyone I was around was like, I'm a writer. I'm a philosopher. <laughs> I'm a this. And I was like, I'm going to be this too. And then I just, I just remember walking to work one day and like, I loved, I mean, I, I don't take it back because I was like, I needed to be 
in a corporate role. To, I wanted to be living with my friends and like going away every weekend and going yeah. to happy hour every night. After I graduated from grad school, I remember just being like, if I don't try to do this now, like I'm, I'm never going to do this. Yeah. Like I was like feeling very bleak. I was like, I'm turning 30. I got to do, which like you can start anytime. Like there's no age limit, but I knew that I had to, or else I'd like hate myself. So I moved home out of New York and I was like living with my, at like my parents' house working on this book that I still need to actually get published. But I was literally, I'm going to publish this book. I was like, this book is going to be published because it was my thesis. Uh I was working with an agent and then she went on maternity leave. And when, while she was on maternity leave, I was like, I'm going to freelance, right? Because I was a reporter in college, reporter in high school. Like I'd always, like I had, I was lucky where I had clips and stuff and I had friends. I had one friend who taught me how to pitch, which was huge. I made a website and looking back on it now, if like three years ago, four years ago, I guess I started, I guess I've been doing Gosh, this. That for, wasn't very long ago for how much you've done. No, I started traveling. My first trip was in 2018. Like I, yeah, 2018, April, 2018. And, but that was, but my first trip happened a year, literally within a year of me quitting my job to write full-time, which is crazy. Yeah. I feel like I lucked out in a way, but also like, I just pitched a ton and like, I just, you have to treat every assignment. Like, you know, don't wait until the New Yorker is commissioning you to, to give a damn. You know what I mean? Right, it's like, right. like your work is like your calling card. And like, I want to know what, I've, I want to know what's going on everywhere. And if, if I haven't been somewhere, I just, I need to go, you know? And yeah. so for me, it's, discovering those places that I haven't been to and the stories I haven't heard, which I've been to 68 countries, but there's so many countries and like there are different pockets of each country. And then I guess just making sure, like when I think about the stories I'm going to write and the trips I'm going to take, um, I really try to focus on what kind of trip it'll be because at the end of the day though, I have to say, I think I could get a story even if the trip was just like, I was in my hotel like half the most of, just because I feel like did you have a conversation at the lobby like I feel like I can always find a story so anywhere but I mean like to get the best one like I want to be on a trip that's like culturally immersive I wish there was a better term for this but like I want to be with the locals I want to be at the fish fry mm-hmm. I want to be learning I want people to be telling their I want people to be sharing their stories with me and me also to be sharing with them and just like getting to know people in places and then the way it usually happens is that the people I meet are, they become the story in a way. So what have you done over the last year and a half? A lot of national parks, road trips, American West, Caribbean. I was based down in Jackson Hole um, during the pandemic. My family, I grew up going out there. Okay. And I'm moving back to New York, hopefully in the next like month. I'm like in the crazy apartment hunt right now. But when, (laughs) when the, I know, but I'm excited. I love, I do love New York city, but when the pandemic happened, I, for two years, I guess, or if I started in 2018 spring and then, so I must've been only traveling for two years. That just seems so crazy to me. Like it doesn't seem like that's true. Do you know what I mean? One of my favorite stories I did actually was for Forbes, like the 10 bucket list trips for the next decade for like the Mm -hmm. 2020s, LOL pre-pandemic. But you know, right, like, that was great. Yeah, but I, I, t- I did all those trips and like that one really viral. And it was like, I don't know. It's funny because sometimes I think people think roundups can be lazy, but then they end up for me because as you can tell, I'm long winded being like, 
four times the length of a regular story. But you know, it's, I feel like I'm always working a different muscle with each different type of story that I do. Like when I write for the yeah. recorder newspapers, which is like where I started as like a reporter. And I honestly started writing obituaries there when I was like 14 or something. Before that, wow. I was doing like, I'm a print family, but like when I do that and that's third person and it's catered towards like, you know, the, an affluent, like Morris County, like New Jersey audience, like then that's a different skill than doing the first person. It's always the first person, like narrative essays that I feel like are the, my crowning jewel, <laughs> but they give yeah. me the most anxiety. Um, I bet. I bet. Oh my God. Yeah. My first trip was to the Maldives this summer. And that was after I'd been vaccinated and right. Right. My perspective now is I'm vaccinated. I'll get a booster shot. I'll mask. I'll distance. I just, I think that it's, you know, tourism is a huge part of the GDP for a lot of places. You've said that you're thrilled to be working in an industry that is a force for good in the world, which you've talked a little bit about. I know it's a bold claim, but I stand behind it. I guess what I mean is like, I think on a fundamental level, travel is good for human beings. Like, I don't think I can put it better than Mark Twain because it was just really succinct. Travel is fatal to hatred, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And it's like one can't develop a charitable viewpoint of the world if they stay festering in their own little corner of it. And I, and I agree with that. Like you got to get out of yourself. You have to, you have to be exposed to like, you have part of it, a huge part of it is getting outside of yourself. And what I mean, what I mean by that is like, I feel like wellness is such a thing right now. And I like love a spa sometimes, but like the only time I ever had like close to a panic attack was on a yoga retreat in Morocco. And it was like, I can't be like thinking about my own life this much. You know, like I feel more calm and centered when I'm like outside of my own immediate life. And I think that's like actually really healthy for people. And I think that it's a force for good because you're forced to reckon like you were literally putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You're on their land, you're in their country, you know, you're, and I think it's important for people to like be an outsider or be the, I don't know. I'm just always really, it's like heartbreaking in a way how well I'm treated in so many countries by, and I've been in insane, situ, like insane situations, like no passport, lost. Like I have relied on the kindness of strangers everywhere. Like I was in, I heard this in Dominica, Grenada, Barbados and Belize. Um, you know, like I went to school in America or I did this, but I'd rather be here like for the quality, for like the lifestyle I can have here mm-hmm. and like work on, I don't know, building or rebuilding my community here. Cause it's like more, I think that, I don't know. I think that America has really bad PR right now, <laughs> you know? And I'm just saying that like, I think it's important to like, to realize that you're not the only human being in the world. And I think it's, I think that, we're so isolated. Like a lot of Americans don't have passports, you know? And yes. Right. Yeah. So American in itself is so diverse. Like I'm always like, you don't need a passport to like experience like different cultures. And, but there is like, I think it's just so healthy for people. And I've, and I think travel is a force for good because I've worked with like organizations and tourism bureaus and like groups that are doing demonstrably like good things not just like benefited communities like saved changed lives like my favorite example is rainbow mountain in peru which i feel everyone knows what it is now that's striped mountain but canada in a rare bad pr move canada like these miners in canada whatever had the right to drill into the rainbow mountain and this is like a high holy place in um andean communities in peru but these communities like when you go up there 
I mean, I was trekking up there. I don't need oxygen. It was amazing. But like, you know, if people are giving birth, they have to go to a lower altitude. Like there's no, there are no roads. There's no cell phone service. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no electricity. So it's like, how are we going to protect this place? How are we going to save this? You know what I mean? How are we going to save this space when we don't have that much to fight back on that level? And then I met Roger Valencia, who's like, was the minister of culture in Peru at the time. And they like talked about it together and it was like, we need to show the world. Like we need to show the world this beautiful place. That's the only way we can save it. So I partnered with Edaha. They took out a full page ad. It was like, do you know where this is? If you know where it is, like we will fly you there. And like that started to go viral. And then they started to raise awareness like through tourism of like what it was. And yeah. now there's more tourist to Rainbow Mountain, but it still exists. How do you, do you normally, when you travel, you don't have stories secured, right? You normally get there and find what the stories are and then pitch them. It's like usually a mix. Um, I can secure stories like at the recorder newspapers, but it goes in and out with how much I can confirm coverage in advance because with the pandemic, it's been much harder. Like I have stories that like I was assigned and they're paid for um, and they just have them and they like haven't run them yet. You know what I mean? So that's something, I guess that's something I'll be interested in navigating like um, moving forward. Like the Maldives and Bonaire, I've already covered it multiple times both those places but I don't know how it's going to be to like be able to confirm in advance and I know that that's like something that is important but um I always like for me at least like I recognize how much is a reputation-based industry and if you don't deliver on a single trip like it's just not worth to go on that trip because then who else would take you it's like I told you I feel a moral obligation but also like I'm not I would never go on a trip that I didn't feel confident that I could write great stories about and get right. them published, you know? Plus at the end of the day, you're working. So you want to be writing stories and making a living too. Totally. So how can PR professionals best work with you? Um, I mean, I feel like I cover so many different things in travel that like, if it's travel related, like it's, I'm happy to receive the newsletter, the pitch. You know what I mean? Like, I know some journalists are like, like this isn't catered to me at all, but like, I can't imagine how many emails, you know, how many journalists like publicists are working with every day. I don't expect people to be like, oh, well, Katie specifically likes this or that, but just, I think that, you know, I'm, I file all those that I get. So just on a baseline level, like, you know, I always appreciate like a new contact who reaching out to me. And then I miss in-person meetings. Like I don't yeah. think Zoom is like a good replacement. I think I have major Zoom fatigue, but when we can do in-person again, I think that's huge. Like when I was able to meet people in New York, that was really great. And I would just do days where I would just be like, okay, I'm going to meet different people from like nine to five. <laughs> you know that's what I nice. mean? Right. Yeah. Well, cause I'd be like, if I'm not going to get writing done today, I might as well like get like, you know, socializing, networking, meeting people. And yeah. I always found that to be really fun and really helpful because I don't know. I feel like people who work in the industry are cool. Um, I feel like everyone who works, like I've only had really positive experiences with the publicists I've worked with. I like don't have awesome. a negative one. Um, and then keep me, yeah, give me a long leash for trips, I guess. That's how it's worked best for me is that because when I was traveling full time, I'd be booked out for months. And then like, you know, if you know early, like when the trip's going to be and give me the heads up and stuff. Like I always really appreciate that, you know? Yeah. Um, so you prefer that, solo trips? I, I don't know. It's, a, I think it's a mix. I do. I like both. I think that group trips can be really great for meeting other 
people. Do you know what I mean? Like right, in the right. industry. Whenever I leave a group trip, I feel like I've always got like at least one new, like really good friend. And then two or three other people that I like wish nothing but the best and hope I got to travel with again, you know? And then I travel yeah. with them again. I'm like, oh, we're, you know, I like them. But the, I think it depends. I think that a small, my favorite type of trip is like, if it's, I guess an individual plus another writer, like before the pandemic, a lot of what I would do would be, you know, work with different tourism bureaus and be like, okay, like, do you want two for the price of one or do you know what I mean? Or like three for people tend to really like that. So you stay in the same room and you know, we already align on an itinerary, like Marissa Principe, she covers a lot of conservation stuff or like Mm -hmm. Jillian Dara and Todd Plummer and I've been trying to travel together forever, but like Chelsea Davis, like there are just so many great people, great other writers who like, if we have enough, if we have overlap with our interests, that's always been my favorite thing to do. So I guess that's a mix, but I'm open to, I'm open to all of them. So before we go, I have to ask you what some of your best travel advice is. It's an acronym. I CKV is what I claim. I'm like curious, kind, vulnerable, like ask a million questions, be really like, be really, be nice, which like seems obvious, but like people sometimes just aren't. And be when I say be vulnerable, like if you're lost, acknowledge it. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been kidnapped yet, so we'll see, but make fun of yourself. Like, you know how I always just like, I feel like it's the way, the way that you move through the world when you're actually out in the world at large, like really makes a difference. Like, I feel like you, you get what you give. So if traveling always, something goes wrong, like the flight's delayed, you know, you're like kind of tired. It's never like absolutely perfect like you just have to accept that and (laughs) don't get mad at the people who are like literally trying to make you happy that's always like astounding it's like this is not the cab driver's fault or the waiter's fault or the hotel you know what I mean so and people if you're nice people they're nice back to you and if people like to talk about them we've talked about this but like it's really disarming if you ask people questions you know what I mean like and then be just make fun of yourself like I don't know. I feel like it never, maybe because this was never my MO, but like when, even when I was first starting out, I mean, to now I'd be like, Oh my God, this is my first trip. Or I haven't been, or I'm so excited about this. Like I'm excited. I'm enthusiastic. Like, I don't think that it ever like impresses anyone. If you're like, I've been here before and my last place was better. Or if you act above it, or if you act like you're so accomplished and like, absolutely, if, if you're, it's almost beneath you to be here. Cause then it's like, number one, that's like a self-canceling phrase because you are here. And then right. number two, like, who are you trying to impress? You know what I mean? Like we're all, it's, I just think that like, I think maybe when people get shy, they can revert into that. Or if people are nervous or scared, they're in another place. They don't really, people can not realize the energy that get, they give off, but then you're just going to be, you're going to be like up the Creek with no paddle. Like I feel like travel is so much other people taking, making, being able to make a connection with the person who's like working at the airport desk and is going to let you fly home without a passport. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. that's, that's what it's all about. So yeah, just try to, and try to be nice, go to the thing, do the thing you're supposed to do in the place you're supposed to do it. Like if you're in Hawaii, like you should surf, surf at Waikiki beach. It's like actually surprisingly easy. Or like, do you know what I mean? Like if you're in Lapland, like go to like the rain, go on like a reindeer sleigh ride, just do all those things and just lean in and yeah, just go for it and book your flight, book your flight in advance. And then it's really not as expensive. It's crazy. I love it. That's great advice. And you're fantastic. I love working with you. I hope we get to work together lots in the future. 
Me too. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode of Media in Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.